Hi guys, and welcome to episode 5 of the Optical View Podcast. Today, we have on our financial advisor, a childhood friend of mine who is carried over into the adult life. Her name is Megan O'Shaughnessy. She is one of the smartest and most financially independent people that I know. You can learn a lot from this episode, or if you just want to refresh your memory, if you have any questions, please reach out to her. All of her links are going to be in the description below. Alright, check her out. Also, reminder guys, if you haven't listened to the last episode, give that one a listen. Alright, we have a big giveaway going on at the end. Alright, so tune into that. Thanks, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Optical View Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Megan O'Shaughnessy, a financial advisor. Hi, Burns. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Glad to be here. Awesome. Super glad to have you. So let's just start off with uh, who are you and what do you do? Sure. So as Burroughs mentioned, my name is Megan O'Shaughnessy. I am a financial security advisor with a small firm in Boneville called Q&L Financial. Um, So Burroughs and I grew up together. We did go to elementary and um, not high school, but elementary together for a little while. So we've known each other for a very long time. Um, I've lived in Oshawa in St. Catharines for four years at Brock University. I had a business degree with a concentration in finance. So I do come from a full finance background. Um, I actually jumped right into my role as a financial advisor straight out of university before I even graduated and I trained and had my licenses within a few months of graduating so I've been doing this now for almost three years um, I help all different types of people but my main focus is on women and mothers more specifically reason being is that I find a lot of women have hard time accessing different financial information or maybe they just don't feel confident enough to go out and look for it themselves so I want to help them build that confidence up uh, with their finances as it's such an important part of our lives so that's where I am today, and here I am. Perfect. I'm super excited to have you on. I've been waiting for this one for a little bit. Um, <laughs> I actually had a couple coworkers and friends of mine have some specific questions. Awesome. Uh, but I'll ask you that later on, all right? So yep. um, I, he- I heard you talk about how you kind of jumped from university straight into the role. Um, how did you find out about this job? So it's a funny story, actually. I was in fourth year of university at a career fair type thing, uh, mainly went actually to get a free headshot. They were offering them there that day. But I was walking around all the different booths of different employers. A lot of them were based in the Niagara region because that's where the school was. But um, there's this one table and this lady was wearing the exact same shirt as me. So I walked up to her, said, oh, my God, nice shirt. And she said the same thing back. And then she told me about the company, which was Freedom 55 Financial what the company was and I didn't even know that they were a company that had financial advisors so it's really funny because I knew that's what I wanted to do but had no clue about this company or this table so it all was kind of out of fate that we just happened to be wearing the same shirt and she sent my information to the Pickering head office I had um, an interview there with a director and within two interviews I was given my books to study and start my licenses so it's pretty funny how that kind of landed into my lap just being at a university fair wow (laughs) that's crazy so it all started with the same shirt yep all with the same shirt which I still have and it was the one in my first I guess you could say professional headshot (laughs) wow so um 
you said you were living in, oh, I forget where. St. Catharines. St. Catharines, right? Yep. So you had to drive to Pickering to go in for the interview? Yes, I did. So it was actually the end of March in 2019. So I was just before uh, final exams and fourth year there in April. But I believe I was already back because of either um, might have been my birthday, which is beginning of April or Easter or something like that. But I was already in back in Oshawa. Um, so I was here and had one of the interviews. I did have to drive down from St. Catharines for the second one, I believe. Wow. And I guess it worked out. So it's worth the drive. It was very much worth the drive. So you mentioned that you, uh, you've recently been focusing on, on women, mm-hmm. and, uh, single mothers, right? So what kind of services do you provide to everyone? I truly believe in financial education, um, which is why I do work with pretty much anyone from any background, you know, any um, availability of finances and knowledge, what they already have. So my social medias tend to focus on just getting information out there to the masses, because, again, I feel like those that don't have the financial information maybe don't feel confident. I get it to them on a platform that's easy entertaining um and again kind of uh enough information that it can uh, apply to the masses but um when it comes to my specific target market so we're looking more at specific things that deal with families so protecting your income uh protecting your children's future making sure that again that that piece of like confidence and peace of mind um that everything that you're doing today is setting you up for the future that you want now, obviously, I don't only work with women and moms and families. I do work with a uh, great deal of different people. And um, a lot of it does start with that financial literacy piece. First, a lot of people just come to me with questions, and then that's how we build the relationship together. And from there, if they start to want to actually take action, then I help them implement some sort of plan that they can you know, start saving, start investing, um, start working towards whatever their goals are. Wow. Where where do you find most of your leads come from? Uh, so it's a different mix. I found a lot of referrals over the last year have been big for me. So current clients that I already have have reached out saying, you know, I, I thought of so-and-so, here's their information. Um, that's a really big source for a lot of people in industries like mine as well, um, is, you know, you make your client happy enough that they want to talk to their friends and family about you. So that's really awesome because I also get very similar clients uh, from my clients, right? So if, you know, I worked with this one specific mom, I'm probably going to get referrals to other moms just like her. And then uh, the other side of thing is the social media. So I do find that um, people will reach out with more specific questions. Again, that leads into a nice relationship being built. And then from there, when they're ready to implement, that's when we start working together. Um, And the final piece, I network like crazy. So um, pre-pandemic, when I was actually allowed to go out and network in person, I was going to about two to three in-person events per week. Um, all across Durham region um, and sometimes even into the GTA a little bit or into Clarington Uh, and I found these really useful because as a young financial advisor I don't have all these friends you know that have thousands and thousands of dollars to invest or um, families to protect unnecessarily at this stage in their life so I had to think outside the box and um, COVID did put a little rut into my networking uh, plans that I always had, but I moved to the online networking world and tried that as well. And a couple different things um, like volunteer positions where you get to meet people. 
um, joining different like boards and uh, things that the cities are offering, which are really, really great. Every city has their own chamber. Those are really awesome to join, um, as well as any of the networking events that happen reoccurring. You get to meet the same people over and over and again, build relationships to the point that you either start working together or referring to each other as well. That's, that's so interesting. So you, you touched on the pandemic a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. What other changes has the pandemic brought to you besides moving a lot of your networking from in-person to online? So aside from just the networking moving online, a lot of my client meetings also moved online and it kind of has a positive and a negative to it. So the nice thing about you know being able to see my clients online and do most of my business electronically is that it saves me the travel time, right? Which means I can see more people in a week and I can work uh, or I can put more hours towards actually working on the plans for these clients rather than spending my time in a car where there's not too, too much that I can do. Um, So that's been nice. But the negative side of it for me is that um, I no longer get to come into my clients' homes or see them in person and really get to know them. There's somewhat of an extra disconnect when you are meeting virtually. Um, like I use the example, when I used to be in people's homes, I would see photos on the wall of things that the family likes to do or trophies from the children's sports games. And I got to know more about the family and it was, it was easier to build that better connection. Whereas now, again, through the virtual world, it's just a little bit harder. And to be completely honest, I'm terrible at talking over Zoom or team meetings because I always end up chatting over the other person and it just it can become really difficult but um again positive and negatives to this within my business so yes yes for sure for sure um do, do you think that there has been any part of this pandemic that has actually helped grow your business um like i said i think the timing of everything so just being able to do a little more of the extra side stuff that i always liked to do um, because I'm not driving here and there everywhere all the time, that has been nice. Um, but aside from that, like, it's just, it's that extra barrier to meeting new people. Um, still a young advisor, new advisor under three years. Um, you definitely should be out there as much as you can talking to new people and everything. So that it was a bit of a bump, but it also was, like I said, beneficial because it gave me more time to try to do things online, which also you can sometimes see more people at online networking events because they also now have the time to make a one hour meeting that if it was in person would have taken them two hours and wasn't possible. Oh, okay. Okay. So you're, you're basically cutting down the drive time because we're just switching to virtual then. That's pretty much it. That's the biggest positive. Um, Aside from that, um, our industry did take a pretty nice turn towards the um, like electronic signing and stuff like that. There's still some things because it's so uh, I don't know how to put it, but I mean, we're dealing with people's money. So we don't want you to have an email sent out to get somewhere else. Someone signs for it and money starts being transferred that wasn't supposed to. So there are still some things that need to be signed, um, you know, with pen to paper and then sent back to me kind of thing. But the things that can be electronically signed, it's been such a great um, change in the industry because that was not accepted at all really before. No, no electronic signing. Um, everything had to be pen to paper. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I I fully understand that kind of makes the process a little bit quicker. Yeah. And sometimes easier for a client too, if they're not able to um, print and sign and scan, like a lot of older clients definitely don't want to do that. And even some younger clients, they just don't have access to, you know, the proper printer, whatever it may be. And, And how long have you said that you've been a financial advisor? 
Um, so this June will be my third year um, or the end of my third year. So I'm a little over two and a half right now. So almost the entire pandemic has been my career because I was fully licensed as of August 2019. And then March 2020, the pandemic started. Okay. So um, why would why would anybody listening to this um, choose you over somebody, let's say, with more experience? So I think the thing that... Um, when you get more experience with an advisor, one, I, I understand why, but a lot of advisors start working with people that have more money. And the reason being is the obviously the more into your business that you get, the more time you need to spend on bigger clients rather than a bunch of smaller clients. Whereas myself, I'm working with like a client that literally is starting from zero dollars, maybe has $25 a month to put away to people that have, you know, a million dollars of assets already. They're entering retirement. They're going to start to pull income out of that. Um, and I see, you know, from A to Z and everything in between. So my knowledge and my skills with working with the different types of people is very fresh because I'm seeing all those different types of people all the time. Whereas someone with more experience, like I said, might only be sitting now with these people who have, already uh, accumulated all of their wealth and are um, pretty much at the end of their line and starting to draw income out of that. So for me, again, it's that fresh perspective on everything. Um, the other side of it as well would simply be that I'm, I work a little extra hard, right? Like my, I'm still trying to grow my name and my business. Um, Cause as a financial advisor, you're more or less selling yourself rather than your services and your products. Um, so you know, that's why I also focus on the financial literacy, because I think that's so important. And it, um, it definitely sets me apart from other advisors. I mean, if you go look for financial advisors on social media, you're not going to find very many. And when you do, they don't offer much information on their on their socials. So that's kind of what sets me apart. And, um, you know, I'm a very lively person, love people, love talking to people. So I think, uh, especially with the women market, that really helps as well. Um, you know, there's studies that have just shown that women never want to take hold of their finances because, uh, again, like they're either scared or not confident enough. And I think sometimes those really experienced, you know, let's say a 50 year old male advisor, they're a little scarier to go to. Right. Um, and I actually just had someone tell me a story about their 21 year old daughter who went to see the father's financial advisor, who again is an older man um, who works with all bigger clients. And she felt a little uncomfortable asking her questions. Like, you know, she has OSAP and she's just starting to save. So I have, I can work with both ends of the spectrum and make them feel comfortable working with me. Wow. So would you say that the financial advisor market, if you will, is primarily male dominated? Yeah, so it still is. Um, I actually just was reading some articles not too long ago, and uh, one of the last updated numbers I saw is that within all of Canada, only 23% of financial advisors are women. Um, so it's still a very, very male-dominated market. But what I think you're going to start to see, and not only male-dominated, actually, it's also like an age discrepancy because the average age of a financial advisor is generally 50-plus. Um, so what we're seeing is a lot of those older advisors are now leaving their practices, which is opening up this awesome space for younger and even female advisors to come in, um, because now there is that need for that different demographic of advisor, and especially as those older advisors start to transition out of the business as, as well. Okay. And, and if, if there is somebody listening to this, 
right, who has, let's say, an older client or sorry, an older advisor Mm -hmm. and maybe not their preferred gender, like you mentioned, um, how easy is it to switch? Um, switching really isn't that hard. So what I always recommend, like, let's say you're unhappy with your current advisor, make a list of what makes you unhappy with them, right? Because you don't want to repeat any of those negatives with the next advisor you choose. And then once you have that list, go out and look for a couple different advisors that are going to check those boxes that you need and not check the boxes that you don't want. Um, and then once you found someone and you're talking with them and you're comfortable and you've decided I want to go with you, um, it's simply just some paperwork that, uh, that you'd have to sign to be able to transfer everything that you have with the old advisor over to the new advisor. Um, if the advisors are within the same uh, company, generally the advisor that you're switching to will give a nice little shout out to the old advisor to say, hey, they reached out to me, um, they do want to switch, I'm just letting you know, and then you transfer the assets over to yourself for the products that they have. So it's not really too difficult. It's just, again, make sure that the next one you pick is the one you do want to work with. So you're not always switching. Got it. Got it. Now, now this is, this is a question that I've actually had a couple of coworkers of mine ask me, mm-hmm. how do you get paid? Like, am I, am I just <laughs> throwing a thousand bucks and you get, you know, 50 or you get a hundred? So I'm so happy you brought this question up because I get asked all the time and I do think it's a massive barrier to people even reaching out to me sometimes. Um, So if I have a meeting with someone and we're just having a conversation, there is never ever a bill that I'm leaving for them to pay. They're not giving me $1,000, $50, whatever it is. And then even when we start to work together, there's never a time that I charge a straight fee. So technically to work with me, you're not paying anything um, additional, let's say, aside from what's already built into the products. So on the investment side of things, I deal with two different types of investments. So I do mutual funds as well as segregated funds. They're very similar. I'm not going to get into them too much. But within each of those um, types of investments, there's something called a management expense ratio. So in the industry, we just call it an MER. With every single mutual fund out there, every segregated fund, they all have their own MER built into them. This is the same if you work with an advisor like myself that's independent. It's the same if you work with an advisor at the bank. Um, All of these, if I offered a bank's fund, that same MER is built into it. So within that MER, it pays three different people. A portion of it will pay the fund managers. So they're the ones that are doing your buying and selling of the different assets within the investment. So they choose, you know, what stocks and what bonds and everything like that they're going to hold. And then they're also paying that MER is paying the fund company. So they're the ones that sponsor the fund and technically, let's say, own the fund. And then the final piece is what comes to the advisor. So it's a small percentage that's already built in. Uh, I get paid on a monthly basis. So it'd be a 12th of what the overall MER percentage is that I get. Um, And it pays me on a monthly basis based on the amount of assets that I have under management from you. So let's say that you had $10,000 with me. Um, I'm being paid based on the fact that you have $10,000 with me. um, And that's coming from that MER. And the way the MER is charged to you as the investor is it actually isn't charged directly to you or your account. It's charged to the overall pool of funds within that one mutual fund that you're in, let's say. So if there's a billion dollars of your money along with all the other investors' money, once a year that MER is going to be charged to the billion dollars, so you won't even see it come off of your own investments um, on any given day or anything like that. It'll just reflect the actual price of the mutual fund at that time. 
Um, so that's how I get paid. So again, nothing extra coming out of your pocket. If you work with a bank advisor and you come to me, if I brought your portfolio right over, absolutely nothing would change. No additional fees in there. Um, and yeah, so that's how it works. And then on the insurance side of things, it's commission based. So it's a percentage of the overall um, sale price. Again, not charged to the client in any bill form or anything like that. Everything's built into how the insurance companies price their products. Okay. So, so if I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my portfolio and all my different assets, mm-hmm. right? Will there be anything that I can then, you know, distinguish? Okay, this is where X amount of dollars is going to Megan, my financial advisor. No, and that's what I say. So it comes out of this massive pool of, you know, your money with all the other investors' money, and it's not even noticed. So one thing that uh, when I'm sitting down and going over the different investments with clients, I make sure to highlight those MERs. We want to make sure that you understand them. Um, Like I said, understand those three pieces of who it's paying in there. Um, the value behind that as well, right? So people always say, oh, we want lower fees, we want lower fees. So once a year, 2% gets charged to the overall uh, fund under the mutual fund um, and 2%. And it's splitting up to pay managers that every single day are buying and selling stocks, equities, different things for you in there. The fund company that again is sponsoring it and paying to even have this fund run. And then your advisor who... Generally, it depends on the amount of uh, in, um, money that you have with them, but you're usually meeting with them at least once a year, sometimes more, and even sometimes less, depending on where you are in your uh, investment stage. But as the advisor, we're here to help you choose the right investments that are going to work for you, but also work for your financial plan in your future. Because we have people come to us and say, you know, I want all high risk, all this, all that. But it's like, you need the money in a year. If I allowed you to go into high risk, you could lose so much of your money right when you need it that you almost can't even touch it. So we're making sure that we're guiding you towards the right investments, but you still have a full say in what we're investing in. So the the small percent that you will pay over the year is definitely worth the advice. Rather, I also see investors try to do things on their own and they go out and buy their own stocks and whatnot. Um, and it's stressful. It's like that added stress. You have nobody to blame at the end of the day for the stock that you chose tanking or, you know, um, anything like that. Whereas you always have your advisor to talk to if things are going on with your portfolio, which everybody right now will see some um, volatility within their portfolios. The markets definitely aren't, um, aren't happy with us right now. Yes. Yes. And that, that actually goes on my next point here. Um, how, how much, um, I guess you. I guess the term would be return. Would you be able to provide, right? So that's um, that would be different based on everyone. So, like I mentioned, I always do um, what we call a risk tolerance assessment. So this takes into consideration how long you're going to be invested for, because again, you don't want massive high risk if you're going to need the money really soon. Um, takes into consideration your comfortability with risk. So we ask questions like, you know. If your portfolio dropped 10%, are you comfortable with that? Well, yes or no, higher or lower. Um, Okay, if you were good with 10%, how long could you sit in that 10%? So we ask questions like that to be able to identify what what level of risk we're willing to take on with the investments. And then um, from there, we're choosing investments that make the most sense. And um, sorry, can you repeat your question? (laughs) 
just just kind of like what I guess percentage would right. would the return be? Yeah, expected return be. Yeah. So then once we have the risk, obviously the higher risk you take on, the more opportunity you have to get return. So it's always the saying, you know, higher reward for higher risk kind of thing. Um, and then obviously the lower risk that you take, the lower the return most likely is that you'll see on the investment. However, um, what we generally do is we look at historical returns. So once we've decided what your risk tolerance is and I've put together a portfolio, we'll look at what those, that portfolio would have done for you in the last, you know, one, three, five, ten years, whatever it is, so that we can get an understanding of what it might be like going forward. Um, but with mutual funds and segregated funds, you can see returns, um, you can still see negative returns in them. Again, they're, they're still invested in the market. If the overall market's not doing great, then your, your return can still be a negative at the end of the year, but you can also see crazy positives. Um, I saw some funds in 2020 and 2021 get, you know, like 80% returns on one fund. So it's, it's really anywhere from some sort of negative to a really high positive. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I wanted to go back and touch on this. So you mentioned you do a lot of social media. I have you on social media and I 100% agree. Um, what do you find, I guess, uh, is the benefit and return of that social media? So I get a lot of praises on the social media. And I think even though, um, and this is when I'm meeting people in person, I get the praises, right? So not too often, but I think what people really enjoy about my social media is just that, like I mentioned before, like the easiest way to get some financial tips and tricks. Um, and not, not only that, so there's tons of accounts out there that do give tips and tricks for their finances, um, but a lot of them aren't advisors. So at the end of the day, they can't do anything with or for you, even if you wanted to. Um, you may see money coaches out there and uh, they also have social medias that would be very similar. But again, on the money coaching side of thing, they're more or less being paid to tell you how to properly manage your money. But again, they're not, they can't do the investing with you most, in most cases, um, there's a lot that they can't do with you. So I think the value of my social media is when someone finally has that, that, you know, light go off in their head and they're like, Megan just said something, it struck a chord with me, you know, I need to talk to her now. That to me is the benefit of social media is when people finally say, Megan, you talked me into it. I'm ready. I feel like I want to gain this confidence now. Let's start working together. Okay. And rolling off of that, uh, how many hours a week do you say you put into this, the, the social media? Um, so I actually run three social media accounts. So it's a little more than just my own that I'm putting the time into. I would definitely say it takes a couple hours. It also depends what types of things I'm doing. Um, so this year you'll see me coming on here, obviously, those, you know, if it's a 20 minute live, then that's 20 minutes right there, plus any preparation before or after. Um, but I, yeah, I would say approximately like maybe three hours a week. It's also nice with social media, in my opinion, because I find at nighttime, if I'm on my phone, like the average person is, I'm also learning about things that I can share with my audience from other accounts and whatnot. So that's really nice as well. Just, just getting an understanding of what people do want to hear, because sometimes when you're in your own profession, you forget what people don't know. Um, and you forget what they want to learn because you just, you know, you're high level in your own industry, you know, let's say it all or a lot of it. Um, so that's really awesome as well that even when I'm, you know, like casually and on my own time on social media, I still towards work and business as well. 
Um, but between the three social medias, yeah, I'd say about maybe three hours a week. Oh, that's not too bad then. Yeah, it's nothing crazy. Um, I think planning is really important as well. I'm trying to get better at that, um, at least having like a little bit of a content calendar going for the month. So even if I don't create the posts um, in advance, I know what I want to talk about. And I think that's really important because sometimes as a business owner on your social media, you're sitting there like, what the heck am I going to say this week? Like, I have no clue. And that's what takes so much time is not being prepared to know what you want to say or what you want to post. Um, so that's gotten me a lot faster at it, let's say, because I, when I first started my social medias near the beginning of the pandemic um, for business, then I found myself very slow at actually putting stuff together, whereas today I'm a lot faster and better at it. Yes, yeah, so I've always known you as a person who's well prepared. <laughs> for sure. So so speaking about preparation, uh, take me a little bit behind the scenes. So you, you're, you're meeting with a new client. Mm-hmm. right maybe for the second or third time so you have a general gauge as to what they want yep and let's just use me who's 25 uh young male some you know i got some versatility in terms of the income in which i can spend it and mm-hmm. possibly invest right what preparation goes on behind the scenes so if we're sitting second third meeting kind of thing at that point i would assume i've already taken your risk tolerance which means behind the scenes i'm working on building a portfolio for you so if you're someone who already had investments somewhere i do get a lot of people coming from the bank um, especially there's new reforms that have gone on in our industry and banks can now only offer their own mutual funds but no one else's mutual funds so if you ever want access you do now have to come to an individual advisor Um, But what I'm doing is I'm taking your old portfolio and I'm comparing it to a couple new portfolios that I've built for you. And then, like I said, we're looking at historical returns. So in a lot of cases, um, obviously, we're looking for me to build a portfolio that's performed better in the past years because that gives a better outlook that it should perform better in the future as well or may not should necessarily, but um, potentially will. Um, Putting together some information for the client to look at, like I said, um, I go over different things within the funds. So prepping those, um, we call them fund facts for every single fund, prepping those, highlighting the things that I want the clients to be able to look at um, or, you know, keep on their own time to kind of look back later at. I think that's another big thing as well as giving the client a package or something, let's say that, you know, a year down the line, they're like, what the heck did I invest in? Like, what am I doing? Um, So they can go back and look at that. And that's really important. So there's some, you know, building the portfolios. Also, you know, if we're looking at the insurance side of things as well, like creating quotes and and doing like summaries of why this is what I've done for you and stuff like that. So it's a lot of, um, let's say, research and then writing kind of a nice little summary for the client as well. Okay, I definitely want to touch on the insurance aspect. Let's just let's just pull it back a minute here. So Mm -hmm. um, the different portfolios you mentioned before, there's different sectors. And I know this for myself. I'm also investing with you. But when there's different sectors, can you break that down a little bit for us? Sectors as in like different industries that you're looking at and investing in? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, and this is where I say because a lot of people think once you start working with you know, maybe an uh, individual advisor like myself and with mutual funds specifically that you lose that ability to choose what you're investing in. 
but that's absolutely not true. There is an like endless amount of mutual funds out there that can um, get you into specific industries or sectors, like you mentioned. So um, a lot of younger clients specifically that have the higher risk tolerance because they have so many years to be saving for, generally they want to see tech. Tech and, you know, innovators, like these smaller companies that are coming out and we want to get in on the ground floor while they're cheap and then watch them kind of explode. So we can definitely do that, you know, choose the tech industry. Um, if you want to be in like environmental stuff, that's definitely big now. And again, especially with young people. Um, so, you know, only investing in companies that are environmentally conscious, right? Like not polluting or not using child labor or soliciting specific types of products that just aren't really good for the you know human race let's say um so you can pretty much choose anywhere and aside from industries you can also choose location so a lot of people might say you know i i don't like anything that's going on over in europe and asia and all that stuff let's stay north america perfect you can choose that you can be invested you know like 99 percent only in north america with maybe one little thing falling somewhere outside of that but it's all your choice and then when I'm working with a client, I'll ask, do you have somewhere you do or don't want to be or specific industries that you do or don't want to be in? If they say yes, then we cross those right off the list. If they say no, then it's up to me to just build a portfolio again with the best returns. Okay, perfect. And, and the last thing here, uh, this is, again, another question I received from somebody. Um, can you explain what, what dividends and the 401k are? So I'll start with the 401k just to clear that up for everybody. 401k is American. Um, so it's kind of like the RRSP or the Registered Retirement Savings Plan here in Canada. And you'll hear a lot about the 401k because in the States, that's what a lot of employers offer is a 401k. And then you'll hear something like an employer match that goes on within your 401k. So what that means is off of every single paycheck, um, generally you, you pick a percentage of your overall income that you want to go into this account. Again, we'll, we'll talk Canadian terms. So into your RRSP with the company, we would call it a group RSP. Um, you choose a percentage of your income. It goes directly into there. Usually sometimes you get a say in what the investments are. Sometimes you don't. But if there's an employer match up to a certain percentage, they will give you, so let's say it's 3%. If you put 3% in, they also put 3% in for you. So it's actually like an additional part of your overall salary and your package with the company. And if you're not taking advantage of that, you're throwing away free money pretty much. Now, there's obviously cases where people can't afford to put that couple percent away. Um, but I always say, you know, try your best to get to that employer match if you're offered one because it's either free money or 100% return guaranteed. Uh, either way that you look at it. So yeah, 401k is American. RRSP is what we consider it here in Canada. Um, and then you might have heard with those those terms, the, the employer match as well. Um, and the other term you asked about? Uh, dividend, you know, like... Dividends, yeah. Um, so dividends... What they are is when you buy... Um, when you buy a stock in a company, if they are offering you a dividend, that means generally on an annual, um, maybe semi-annual or quarterly basis, they will literally hand you a check as if you earned an income from them for that time. So you'll find that dividends are paid from a lot of larger companies that have been established for many years that are doing really, really well. Um, and the benefit of it is, yes, you own the stock, so you have that ability to buy and sell and make money that way. But you're also just simply being handed a check either once or a couple times a year 
and that's yours to keep. That's part of the return that you get from owning that stock. Um, and again, what's great about those is generally they're a little bit lower risk, even though you're still in equity, you're still in stocks. Um, these companies are just so stable that, uh, you know, they're more than likely not going anywhere, but they're also offering you kind of like a bonus return. And what's great is you can even buy, you know, mutual funds that own, that are considered dividend funds and have multiple companies within the fund that are paying dividends um, into the overall pool of money. So it's, you know, again, it's getting access to these companies that are, have good returns in general, but then also paying you a little extra. Okay. And, and can you give us an example, um, or maybe two of these big companies? Um, so specifically, I can think of one here in Canada. Um, I believe they're still offering the dividends. So this is another thing with the dividends. Um, the company has the ability to uh, stop the dividends at any time, raise the dividends, lower the dividends. Um, of what we've seen a lot throughout COVID is um, companies lowering their dividends because they weren't performing so well at the beginning of COVID. They mm. could no longer pay their investors um, the same amount of money. But we definitely saw, like Canadian Tire is a really good example here in Canada huge company been around for you know however long it's a core um it's a core business within canada and they definitely pay dividends out because they they perform so well they have had investors for many many years so that's a good example of one um another one that is here in canada is on on bridge or you know on bridge which would be like your um um, what would you say here? Yeah, utilities. <laughs> yes, thank you. Utilities. That's what I'm looking for. Like a utilities type company. So same thing. Been around for a long time. Very stable. Um, you know, good industry to be in as well for themselves. So they pay dividends to their investors as well. Perfect. So, so I guess my next question before I do want to move on to insurance. Um, but if if we and and I guess specifically you and and whoever the portfolio is with. They, they've decided, okay, we want to go towards, I don't even know what, what I guess, gas and utilities. Mm -hmm. And an Enbridge happens to be one of those companies inside of it. Mm -hmm. like, would that client also earn dividends on that portfolio? So the way when you're in a mutual fund and it's, let's say, a dividend type fund, the way it works is, again, your money's pooled with all this other investor's money. Um, and when the dividend's paid it's paid into the pool of funds so similar to a stock a mutual fund has a price on it and you buy in at a certain price and the way that your mutual funds worth more is that price fluctuates either up or down it can be worth less like i mentioned before as well so um they work very similar to stocks in that sense but the the other side of thing is you don't get necessarily um anything from that mutual fund until you, you know, withdraw funds from it, you sell off and you take all the money away from it, or you can decide on an annual basis to take your gains out if you want to, and you can have them in your pocket rather than continue continually being reinvested. But if you let it be reinvested, then you're getting, you know, compounding returns, right? Because the money that's grown is now going to grow and it snowballs into this massive wealth at some point. Compounded interest. Got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So let's move on to insurance here. Yep. You mentioned you, you do uh, insurance. And for somebody who, who's just listening and you're thinking a financial advisor does insurance, you got to please explain as much as you can about that. 
Sure. Um, so as a financial advisor, um, there's kind of two different types. You have ones that are investment advisors, so they would only handle your investments. Um, and then you have full-fledged financial advisors that offer both sides of the spectrum. So your investments is your wealth side of things. That's kind of one half of your overall financial plan because the other side is the risk factors that could affect your wealth. And that's when insurance comes in to help protect is your wealth by taking consideration on all of the risks that could come at hand. So some of the, you know, more um, common types of insurance that I offer, the first one's life insurance. So life insurance is huge because, um, you know, I'll use a young person's example. Let's say you are um, moving in for the first time with your significant other, you know, you're, now all your income's coming together, your housing costs and everything are based on you guys being together. Imagine losing that other person's income, but you have the same amount of bills. You know, it would be really, really hard to try to stay and live where you are and continue that normal life if there wasn't some sort of other money that came to you to help you sustain that lifestyle. So that's where life insurance comes into play. Um, we put it into place for things like, again, you know, starting a new relationship and moving in together. Um, having your first child or any child, um, again, if someone was to pass within a family member and you have children, it's even multiplied that additional cost that's going to be there with that lack of income. Um, another thing, buying your first home. So you may have heard or anyone listening may have heard of mortgage insurance. So when you're done getting your mortgage going, um, whoever you signed up for will offer you mortgage insurance at the end of it. And what that does is it technically, as long as you answered everything correct and all is good, it will pay off whatever balance is left on your mortgage um, when someone passes. Now, we generally as advisors, we look at life insurance to do the same thing. Reason being is mortgage insurance is a decreasing amount over time because you're paying your mortgage off. Um, it's also only five year terms so, or however long your mortgage term is, that's when that uh, mortgage insurance term will also end. Whereas life insurance, we can cater it exactly to your mortgage, exactly to your family's needs. Um, you can, you know, take any amount at that you, out that you want. It's never going to change until either the term ends or you cancel it. Um, so different stuff like that. Um, life insurance is definitely the number one, and I recommend it for everyone, even young people. Even if you don't have, you know, a significant other and you're still living at home, um, think about your parents. If something happens to you, you know, are your parents going to go back to work the next week? Probably not. They're going to want time off, and financially, some parents can't do that. Um, and yes, for a young person, they're trying to be conscious about their spending and everything, but you can get term life insurance for dollars per month. And we could be offering, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially to your, your loved ones. So it's not crazy expensive. I also recommend to get it young just because it's cheaper, right? Like the older you get, the more expensive insurance gets. You also put yourself at risk of becoming unhealthy or something happening to you that would make you uninsurable, which means you can't even get insurance anymore. Um, and yeah, you can start little, start cheap uh, today and then grow it. And this is why I like working with families as well, because we grow those types of products as the family changes and needs change and everything. So that's life insurance. It's definitely the kind of main one that I look at with most people first. The next would be critical illness insurance. So this one is, um, it's a little different. So it's more, it's a selfish type of insurance, we call it because you buy critical illness insurance to pay yourself rather than your loved ones. 
So the way it works, if you're diagnosed with one of the covered critical illnesses, um, you would be paid out a benefit amount that you chose when you took the policy out. So that would be a tax-free check in your hands. Again, where this comes into play with the whole financial plan and why advisors offer it is because it's protecting your savings. So what we see happen to a lot of people, they'll get sick or injured really badly to the point that they can't work. Um, sometimes you do have different types of insurance from work that will help you. But if you don't and you can't return to work, then you're looking at no income. So this benefit that pays out can help you get through that time financially until you're you know, feeling better enough to go back to work. We also see people, um, uh, they use this to go get the treatments that they need. So you get access to something called Best Doctors, which can give you the best doctors in the entire world for whatever's wrong with you. And if you need to go you know, fly yourself out to Scandinavia to go see a doctor, then you could use that benefit money to do so. Wow, that's crazy. I might have to talk to you about that at a later date then. Yeah, so that one's important as well. And something I also push for young people, the other kind of big thing for it is that, um, you know, like cancer specifically and different types of illnesses are just happening so much more often and also at such younger ages nowadays. Um, so this is what that type of coverage would be in place to help cover. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying to wrap it up here. It seems like we've been talking for five minutes, but it's actually been about 45. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, so do you have any tips or tricks, um, for anybody, but we'll start with specifically young people. Mm -hmm. Just in general tips and tricks. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Um, my biggest tip and trick is track your money. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I couldn't even put $25 away per month. Like that's too much. My budget's so tight, so stretched. But if you actually look at the income that you're bringing in and the things that you're spending money on, I guarantee that almost everyone out there could find an extra $25 to put into investments and start making their money work for them. Um, So it doesn't have to be anything difficult. I always recommend if you don't really want to do any extra work, try out the Mint app by Intuit. So it's the same company that does your TurboTax um, thing. And it's called Mint, just like the little green leaf. It's You can connect all your cards to it. It tracks it. It categorizes your spending for you. You can make changes in there if you want. But at the end of the month, it gives you a nice summary to show you here's what you spent on and here's what you had incoming. And like I said, I bet most people can dig in there and say, oh, if I bought one less Starbucks per week, I could do the $25 per month or something like that. Wow. And that's M-I-N-T Mint? Yes. Okay. I might have to get that myself, actually. Yeah, it's a um, great one. So I've got three questions I ask every podcast guest. Can I ask them to you? Yes, you can. All right. Perfect. Do you know what they are? Um, I think I know one of them, but I can't remember the other two. Okay. All right. What are three qualities that you possess that make you successful? Um, Personable, very, very personable. I could talk to a stranger on the street for probably half an hour. Um, uh, Hardworking, like I said, uh, you know, there's stuff that goes on in the background for clients and stuff that I never get paid for. A lot of things I do and just in the end, it was free. And I think that kind of ties into the third one, which would just be caring overall. Like this is why I put, financial literacy out there I don't make anything from doing it I just simply really want to share it so those are my three I love that I, I, interesting you chose those three I was thinking of definitely another three for you but I like those ones 
um, what is something that if you could go back in time and tell your tell your younger self, um, you know, what what's something that you would go back in time and tell your younger self? Network sooner. So if I had in university gone to all the networking events that they offered and started meeting people then and there, I think I would have had a lot easier time transitioning into this type of business. And I say this for anyone, like if you have a salary job and it doesn't matter, you don't need to get clients, just go network. Um, So I actually volunteer for a young person networking committee for the Whippy Chamber of Commerce. It's called ConXGen. So we host events a couple times a year. That's targeted for people under 30. So I uh, highly recommend you guys check that out on the Whippy Chamber events page and come on out. I have one, I believe we're gonna be moving it into March, an in-person event in Whippy, where I'll be there with two other financial advisors to just have drinks and talk and you can ask any questions that you want. Okay, perfect. Now I'm gonna move on to the third one, but I heard you mention Chamber of Commerce for Whippy. What can you tell us about that? So every um, city has its own chamber of commerce. I specifically went into Whippy's. Um, to be honest, I don't even know why. I'm not from Whippy. Uh, my office isn't in Whippy, nothing like that. But I did work for the town of Whippy when I was a student. So I have that connection there. Um, but I would say the chamber in Whippy is definitely one of the, um, uh, like they do a lot there. And the reason that I started volunteering with the Connex Gen is because I did go to some of their in-person events before um the pandemic happened and i loved going to them like i i just i think they're great and like i said whether you're a business owner or an employee somewhere it's so important to just get out and network and talk to people so i started volunteering for again that the connex gen specifically under 30 to try to come up with new networking ideas that are more fun more enticing for people to come out to and don't feel like they're just coming to you know sit and talk with a name tag on kind of thing okay and what does connex gen stand for um, so it's like connecting the Gen X's, I guess you could say. Um, and it's sponsored by, I believe it's RBC sponsors it. Um, so they help fund some of these events. They promote it. They're very much, um, into promoting networking again for under thirties in general. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Back to my last question here. I just, that just really intrigued me. So I had to learn more about it. Um, what is something that you wish you could tell everyone you meet? Oh boy, something I wish I could tell everyone I meet. Oh my gosh, you have me stumped, Burroughs. <laughs> I don't know, I guess just take it one day at a time, but don't forget to plan for the future. Like we live in the moment, but you can't forget about the future because you know it, things are only going to get more expensive, harder, like everything's just going to change as we go along. So we might as well plan for it now rather than only living in the moment and putting no thought into where we're going to be, you know, one year from now, five years from now, or 10 years from now. Okay. I love that. Now that was supposed to be my last question, but, but you actually just drove into another question. So I got to <laughs> ask it to you. All right. Yeah. Where do you see yourself in one, three and five years? Oh, so in one year, I really want to start exploding more into the mom market. So I've, um, you know, I'm starting to connect with other businesses and groups and whatnot that focus on moms to try to bring things to them that I can offer. Again, even just if it's a, you know, like a lunch and learn or um, a quick seminar that maybe moms have all these questions that they have uh, for fi- a financial advisor like person. But again, maybe don't have the time, don't have the confidence, don't don't even know where to go to ask these questions. Um, I'd really like to be in that space a lot more within the next year. Um, three years, you know, just 
killing it with that with that demographic that's where i want to be i truly love working with the moms um and families in general because like i said getting that protection in place for a whole family and growing with them so another and then you know you said five years my biggest thing is that i'm a young advisor i'm here for so many years if i got a client today that's also 25 guess what we'll be in it for the next 25 30 35 years together and how cool is that that you could say you had your advisor from your first advisor you ever had to pretty much you know entering retirement or whatever passing even multi-generational right like i see some clients unfortunately pass but then we get their children as clients or their grandchildren as clients as well and that's that's just cool so i want to make sure that you know i'm sitting with my clients for the next five years that i already have and then beyond that perfect i love it where can people find you so my social media is Facebook, Instagram, it's financial advisor, Megan, I can be found there. My company also does have a website. So that's Q and L financial services.com. Um, I can be found there. And then I'm pretty sure my phone number, email, everything is posted on all of those. And you guys can reach out anytime. So financial advisor, Megan, that's it. Yep. Perfect. And do you give out your phone number or do they have to go track it down? It's definitely out there. It's everywhere. If you want it now, I can give it to you. Um, it's already online. So. Perfect. Do you have any questions for me? Oh, what other guests are you looking to get on here in the next year? Maybe I have some people to send you. Well, I always, I always love new names. Uh, next week, I actually have a mortgage uh, agent. Nice. My favorite. Oh, yeah, that's going to be a good one. Um, after that, I've already been in talks with, uh, a couple other athletes, but I'm trying to get away from athletes and, and move towards small business. Mm-hmm. So I have, um, a property owner who I've been talking to and, um, they're definitely interested. It's just a matter of the timing. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be pretty, pretty interesting. A real estate agent's coming up. Um, got some huge questions, especially being a young person myself, we know mm-hmm. what, it's kind of the plan moving forward and maybe they can give me a bit of my, my vision, my future. Right. Right. Um, that one's going to be super interesting. Um, I think I've got, uh, I'm trying to line it up, so I don't want to say too much, but I've got a, a, a fairly big um, CEO and operator. Uh, awesome. Which it, it, it's interesting because they, the way that they run their business is, they do franchising, but it's not franchising. So they sell the equipment, which people franchise. Okay. Right. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So they're actually in Europe, which kind of goes away from my theme of, of keeping it in Ontario. <laughs> but like I said, there are, there are multiple locations of their equipment being in use in Ontario. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of touches on that. Uh, there's a bit of a language barrier as they, their primary language, I believe is German. Mm-hmm. They do know English. So uh, right now, the biggest things that the time difference, right? They're about yep. seven hours away. Yep. <laughs> so, I don't know if I'm gonna be doing it at three a.m. or what, but <laughs> that's that's kind of who I who I've got in mind uh, coming up. But anytime uh, you have any recommendations or people, I'd I'd love to have them on. So. Yeah, awesome. I know so many business owners. Um, again, through networking and stuff like that, and I definitely will send them your way if I think they'd be a good fit for the podcast. Perfect. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks again, Burles. It was so much fun talking today. Yes. And I've got another sheet of paper that we can go over a different time. (laughs) Sounds great. Just let me know. (laughs) All right. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye.
Thanks for listening, guys. Please don't forget to like and share this. I'm trying to get this to everybody, uh, any person that you know in Ontario, Canada, um, or anybody that you know comes to Ontario, Canada. I uh, I want to really highlight businesses and people who are in the area. Thanks, guys. Don't forget, like and share and comment, and I'll see you next time. Peace.